Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humans Cafe. Here during this walk and talk, we can examine and explore ideas and flow about the good life, conscious living, and resources for our spiritual toolbox, or mindfulness toolbox, or happiness toolbox, whatever you prefer. Since this is our first time in this virtual cafe, let's try to create a sense of flavor. I imagine a place and space where people are talking and sharing stories of desperation and hope. I can smell the aroma of hazelnut coffee and the fragrance of chamomile tea. I can hear the sound of ceramic cups clinking on tabletops. Around me are shelves full of books for patrons to borrow, all well-loved and dog-eared. I can see scrunching foreheads, pondering strategic chess maneuvers, good company manifesting itself in the hearty guffaws of shared humor, and fireside conversations about existential angst, the meaning of life, problems of the modern world, finding oneself, and all the perennial big questions about our existential quandary in this absurd world debated by great minds for over 3,000 years. Here at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe, we gather as mindful aspirants or spiritual aspirants ready to do some soul work or mindfulness work so we can come to know ourselves more fully and live consciously. This is our place of refuge. When I think about the Hopeful Humanist Cafe, those are some of the thoughts and imaginings that I have. And I invite you as a virtual patron to create your own sense and flavor about what this place might look like for you. Our thought for the day here at the Hopeful Humans Cafe today on December 27, 2017 comes from Bartlett's Familiar Quotations. It's the 17th edition, uh, page 76, entry 11. The life which is unexamined is not worth living from the Apology 38. Now I'm drawn to this quote because it captures the spirit of the Hopeful Humans Cafe where the challenge is to put oneself courageously under the microscope with the goal of creating or discovering an expanded sense of self. It is an encouragement to live life to the fullest by knowing oneself. It's an encouragement for me, it's an encouragement for you to come to know who we are in a broad brushstroke. It captures the point of this particular episode and also the larger essence of the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. So we'll just bracket that for now and put it off to the side. See how it kind of fits in with everything that we're going to look at and explore in this first episode. I'm your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Just some guy. And while I do not have a monopoly on the truth, like everybody, I'm somebody who occupies a specific, unique space and place, and I have a specific, unique, two-eyeball perspective about the lived experience, or at least my lived experience. And my thought is perhaps in terms of my comings and goings and all the happenings of my life, that something that I find interesting or helpful or inspiring and insightful, perhaps they might be of interest to someone else. Perhaps they could be helpful. Perhaps they'll strike a chord or resonate within and can make a difference in someone else's life. So welcome to episode one 
the happier quest. Now moving forward, it's always best if possible to provide a definition of the terms that one uses so people can have a sense of what we're talking about or where we're going. But, uh, well, I guess I'll say first that as a departure point, without having really addressed what I just introduced, I, I would like to share that my one of my central thoughts in life is that the real business in life is the spiritual journey. And when I share that with people, I always require some discussion. And so, you know, in terms of trying to understand what one might mean when one says the real business in life is a spiritual journey. Likewise, there'd be some explaining to do if someone were saying that their first episode is something about this thing called the happier quest. But I'm not going to offer a definition at this point. And what I, what I will do, though, is uh, identify that I'm going to talk around it and say that whatever this thing is, the happier quest, well, I mean, it's different from the happiness quest. I think there's a subtle difference, a subtle but profound difference between the two. And I, I can say that this happier quest does have to do with my other thought that the real business in life is a spiritual journey. And it includes a whole bunch of different things. The happiness quest for me uh, includes the vision board I have downstairs in the basement hanging on the laundry room uh, that I update every three years. I call it a shared vision board. It's for me and my beautiful wife in terms of orienting our lives and creating a place and space where we can go and visually look at our the goals that we've set and uh, steps that we've taken towards completing those goals, uh, hopes that we have about our future, uh, dreams. The Happier Quest is something that I can say is really important to me. I talk about it quite often and uh, I'm interested at some point in creating a web page entitled The Happier Quest that would complement this podcast at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. So these things and and so much more. This is The Happier Quest. The Happier Quest has to do with uh, journal writing, daily journal writing about things I'm grateful for that make a difference in my life, things that give me meaning, talk about purpose, struggle points, those moments when I'm examining and putting myself under the metaphorical microscope uh, to explore those spiritual pimples and personal shortcomings that are a part of who I am. Uh, and all this in an effort to try to grow myself. It involves reading, a lot of reading. A lot of people I enjoy reading are philosophers like Camus, who talks about this thing called the absurd, and Sartre, who wrote a book called Being and Nothingness, and uh, has declared that, you know, we are all condemned to be free. A lot of the reading which has inspired this specific kind of manifestation of, I guess you could say, my initial thought, the spiritual journey, and includes writers like uh, Gretchen Rubin, who wrote The Happiness Project, and Tal Ben-Shahar, who wrote Happier. A lot of these other writings uh, come from the field of study, a field of study called positive psychology. Uh, the founder, who is an incredible mind, Marty Segelman, has also wrote a number of books on happiness. And uh, this is a contemporary movement that has its roots that stretch back to the humanistic branch of psychology, with Abraham H. Maslow back in the 70s. And he's a psychologist who brought us uh, the, you know, the hierarchy of needs. And so, you know, like in terms of all of this, these people, their writings, 
Uh, I've definitely been influenced by a lot of uh, that thinking and a lot of what I'm sharing right now actually has been informed by the field of positive psychology. So we have vision boards, we have books, uh, we have journal writing, the activity of journal writing. The happy request uh, in terms of what whatever it is also includes relationships. I mean, really, if anything, perhaps I should have talked about relationships first because relationship is paramount to the happier quest and to good mental health, good physical health, longevity of life, and self-reports of high levels of happiness. So relationships, a mindfulness about really nurturing and investing in the relationships that are important to me, and of course, um, the, happier, the happier quest includes directing intentional energy towards nurturing one's mind and one's body, so exercise and going for walks. Have a routine of doing yoga in the morning, um, leisure, self-care, and all these things are about the happier quest. And the happier quest is definitely situated in the spiritual journey. I, I'm holding off on providing a definition about what the happier quest is. For another point because I think the more enriching way of understanding what it is is talking about those uh, activities and and those uh, behaviors that it includes I think it's about talking about that that really gives a color to what otherwise could be some kind of fluffy abstract suspended distant idea or notion about what it is I'm hoping to try to talk about so I apologize if it doesn't help to really get a person yet much closer to the things that I'm, I'm interested in sharing. But with patience, we're going to get there. So, you know, back to the, to the question, why the happier quest and not the happiness quest? Uh, June Gruber, a psychologist at Yale, in a TED Talk. So I encourage you at any point to put this on pause, get a pen, paper, journal, collect some information, do some research. This is now this is getting back to the idea, the life which is unexamined is not worth living. Like this is our examination, right? Like this is our microscope. So grab those tools that you need and, and you know, grab them out of your spiritual toolbox so, so that we can start to do some of that work right now. Uh, so, so back to the question, why the happier quest? June Gruber, a psychologist at Yale uh, in a TED Talk called The Dark Side of Happiness cautions that an unrealistic obsession with happiness the desire to be happy at all times comes with some dangers. So I encourage you to watch it. I'm not going to um, give a, a summary account of it. just want to identify where I got the idea. Um, so to be happy at all times, in all situations, really, quite simply, it's impossible. It's, it's happiness would lose its taste without knowing what it means to be sad and what it means uh, to be happy. I, I mean, if we didn't know what it meant to be sad... When it makes sense to be sad, when a loved one passes away, or what it means to be angry, when it makes sense to be angry, like when we've experienced an injustice, we would be losing out on the full depths of the human experience. The pursuit of one's, uh, the pursuit of one positive emotion, like happiness, you know, positive, pleasant effect at all times, and the dismissal of the rest of all those feelings that we have, whether they're fear, uh, anger, uh, sadness, 
indifference would be to abandon our humanity. It is, it's, this is an issue of balance. The happier quest is about embracing our full humanity and to feel all our feelings as feelings are neither good nor bad. They're just, they can feel good or bad, but they're just information about our state of being in the world. The happier quest is an attitude of optimism, so we do not succumb to pessimism and cynicism, as it's hard to be healthy in this world. And that, I, I want to emphasize that note. I mean, that's something I, I'll come back to. And that's why the happier quest makes so much sense to me, that it is hard to be healthy in this world. And I think especially for young people, if we imagine that in a sense, we, uh, the adults of this world are inviting them to be members in our club and they, they see the uh, strain on our faces and in our voices and uh, the, 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 the tightness in which we move through this world, we're, in, we're, we're inviting them to be a part of a club that doesn't seem to be that fun. And the reason why we're, you know, we're struggling as adults is because it's hard to be healthy in this world. How much more so is it to be healthy in this world if you're a young person not equipped with all the tools? And once again, now we're back at the happier quest, trying to find those tools. We're constantly scrambling to create a work-life balance, struggling to meet the responsibilities of conflicting roles, moving through our days in a zombie-like trance because of sleep deprivation and existing in a perpetual state of chronic stress, and stumbling trying to keep up with a constantly changing, hyper-materialistic world. Because of this, we're often left feeling depleted, exhausted, and empty. During these moments, with some support, we need to step back, recognize that we are in fact in the stress response and take a breath. Getting mindful about our breathing, some deep abdominal breathing allows us to slow things down and provides time and space for us to start to live deliberately, intentionally, and consciously. Sometimes during these moments of calm and stillness, we might experience you know, insights and realizations or epiphanies that can have an empowering nuance and point to the idea that our lives could in fact be different, they could be more meaningful, they could be more authentic. Yet, all too often, because of the rat race, because of the busyness, because there's not enough time, the feelings subside, nothing changes, and what once was elation turns to existential angst. This roller coaster experience, as overwhelming as it is, However, just like the feelings that are neither good nor bad, it's information. It's challenging us to acknowledge and recognize that uh, when we have an insight and we don't act upon it, it's not going to be transformative. It's not going to be a transformative bomb at all, but more realistically, a persistently painful reminder that uh, we're in fact not living the lives that we want. And this, once again, is what has compelled me to craft and construct that project for myself, that life project that I've called the happier quest. And so what can one do? What can, what can I do? What can you do to usher in real and lasting change in one's life? Well, first I would like to encourage you to go to YouTube and watch Tal Ben-Shahar's Harvard Lecture Series on Positive Psychology. Uh, at some point, perhaps uh, we'll have some talk time directed to that. But uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, 
during his uh, Harvard lecture series on positive psychology, talks about a whole bunch of different areas in life that we can dedicate energy to, uh, be mindful about, and that will provide us with uh, incredible benefits for both our, our mind and our body, our spirit. Uh, in, you know, during and throughout these different lectures, and I think there's 28 or 29, they're over an hour long, he presents research that uh, demonstrates lasting change requires the creation of firmly established routines and concrete daily habits. So if, if I want change, if I go to some kind of training session and I want to bring that, those ideas and, and, and incorporate the, the, those ideas into my life to create some lasting change, what I need to do according to this, according to what he's sharing with us in his lectures, and, and the research indicates this and it goes beyond just his lectures, is we have to find a way to create some routines create some structures in our lives so that we can day in and day out incorporate these, these new ideas, these new activities into, into our lives. The purpose of this podcast is to direct your attention to quality content available on the internet, a lot of which is free, uh, inspiring books, hopefully available at your local library, and mindful activities that you can incorporate into a self-directed wellness or happiness curriculum for conscious living and well-being. So if the goal is to create routine, create a structure that brings the change thought into your life so that you can incorporate it into it, my hope is to say that, you know, in terms of some of those tools that you will explore, perhaps I could be helpful in that process. And it's as if you're creating a, a course for yourself. And you know, in terms of attending the course that you're creating for yourself, one of your central tasks would be to create a curriculum that you can then refer to and see if it can be helpful to incorporate into the structure of your daily comings and goings. You're invited, I am going to invite you to reflect upon the resources presented and incorporate the material that strikes a chord and resonates within and discard the rest. Either you come across something and you're like, wow, that fits with my life. I think I'm going to try that. I'm going to experiment with that. No, you know what? That is totally something that is at odds with the way I see uh, the world, the way I think about the world. Uh, that's uncomfortable. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, embrace that and experiment with that. Please, though, I mean, implied within you know, that, that thought I just shared, uh, please bring a critically reflective lens when you think about the resources offered here for your consideration. This isn't me saying, here, I have discovered something in my wisdom and I want you to incorporate it into your life. It's, no, it's as just some guy have discovered some things that have been helpful for me I'm going to put it out there for others to, to consider. And uh, when you're considering it, please be critically reflective. And, and what, what does being critically reflective include? Well, it means you know, becoming aware of your biases. If, if you know that you, you're, you're, you tend to lean in a certain direction, you know, just for the sake of uh, growth, um, sometimes we need to, 
to become aware of those biases. And then uh, once we become aware of them, we like we can temporarily suspend them just for a moment and 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 open up to something and and then in the process of opening up to it, ask a lot of questions. And then you know once you've you've you become aware of your bias and you temporarily suspend the judgment, ask those questions, a lot of questions, uh, then. The hope is that you might be able to figure out where you metaphorically stand with the, the material that uh, you're looking at. Now, one of the most valuable lessons that I've discovered in this larger life project that I've called the Happier Quest, and and one of the reasons why I have decided to call this uh, life project the Happier Quest, is that. In the absence of despair, even in the absence of despair, even in the absence of anguish in my life, this will not guarantee that I will experience fulfillment, joy, and happiness. So such an absence of these difficult feelings, in a way, can be compared to the metaphor of a car in excellent running condition that nonetheless sits on a, an empty in a, in a parking lot. It's not moving because there's no fuel in the gas tank. So, you know, it's not like one's in the red, but there's still some happiness work to do or soul work to do before one can get into the black in order to experience spiritual success, fulfillment, and live one's authentic life. So if someone is not at a point in their life where they're struggling with severe depression or uh, anxiety, the absence of that challenge does not guarantee fulfillment or joy. There's... There's still, like in, in a marriage, uh, there's always love work to do. There's always some happiness work to do. And for me, the happier quest is an appropriate way of identifying this larger project. Because it implies for me, and maybe I should be explicit here, that living one's life to the fullest as a person who has all these range of feelings with uh, bringing purpose and meaning into it. That for us to be good, like to, to experience, you know, the good life, it's about creating a lifestyle. Right? So when we're talking about creating a lifestyle, that means some days, you know, if, you're, if your lifestyle is in terms of creating good physical health for yourself, on some days you don't feel like going to the gym. But you go anyway. Right? Because it's the lifestyle you've selected for yourself. Right? And so sometimes we might not want to do certain things. But if we want to have one step, we want to be one step closer to a happier life, then we have to create a lifestyle for ourselves. Right? We have to do the happiness work or the soul, the soul work. The field of positive psychology has brought the necessary scientific rigor to its humanistic predecessor, and as, as I've identified before, birthed by uh, the great thinker Abraham H. Maslow, but also other souls, one uh, Carl Rogers. This, this rigor has been brought to that field, that, that humanistic predecessor, to give us knowledge that is now evidence-based and can allow us to quest after a happier life. I've been drawn to the empowering potential of positive psychology and find myself compelled to incorporate into my personal life as a sort of positive living where mindfulness is directed at the real business in life, conscious and purposeful living. A happier life of pleasant emotions, 
here and now moments of immersion, or what's also been called flow, and orienting meaning awaits for those willing to creatively think about and courageously experiment with new ways to live. My belief is once we realize how every second of life is precious, it awakens within us an eager desperation to make every moment count. The quest for a happier life becomes urgent for me on a personal level. I mean, this is translated to reflecting upon some what, you know, what I've called off-script options to a you know the more traditional normative life uh, that most people I, I sense are living. Uh, my wife and I have created time and space to imagine what it would look like to homeschool. Uh, we've uh, imagined what it would like be like to live in a tiny house or to rent our home out for six months, uh, up to a year, so that we can travel to Europe. Uh, specifically, we'd like to go to Spain um, and uh, also parts of Southeast Asia, specifically there, it would be Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos. Now, Having tossed these and some of our other options around for the past two years, in all honesty, our happier quest at this point has not amounted to any really big change, but uh, seeds have been planted and we've made a commitment to never stop dreaming about what could be in terms of uh, future possibilities. So for me, the happier quest includes some dreaming and imagining about what life could be. and. Uh, they bring me to some off-script thoughts. And it's it's difficult to pursue those off-script thoughts because the, the infrastructure is often not in place to encourage people to, you know, for instance, if someone wants to go uh, on a family sabbatical for a year or two, or, you know, you, you uh, as a family, uh, uproot yourselves and go out into the world and, and, and learn by experiencing different cultures. There's not a lot of encouragement to do that. If anything, that would be seen as reckless. So the happier quest is asking myself, you know, maybe there might be some off-script options that would help me have a happier life. And in the process, if I create this happier lifestyle, maybe I could do some planning. Now, before I... So all this is kind of like setting the scene for the whole purpose of the Hopeful Humans Cafe. Hopeful Humans Cafe is this virtual place that we can come, we can talk about things, uh, I can introduce people to resources that they might be able to include into their um, curriculum for well-being, uh, self-directed curriculum for wellness, uh, however you'd like to claim that as your own. So here, this, this is really the, the centerpiece of the discussion. Uh, me introducing uh, a resource that I think could be helpful. Uh, all, all the rest of this is uh, hopefully uh, some purposeful blithering that can be inspiring on some level. But before I turn to the resource for the day to consider with a critically reflective lens for one's self-directed wellness curriculum, I would suggest that you get out your journal, mentioned earlier, and a pen to jot down anything that grabs your attention, Maybe push the pause button, go online, visit the site while we're taught while I'm talking about it, whatever tool that you could use to, to you know so we can get back to the idea of examining you know the examining our lives. Let's try to make sure that we do that in this process. But I, I do want to offer a disclaimer as a disclaimer as the hopeful humanist as just some guy. 
I want to share that uh, I'm not in the business of offering advice or telling people what to do. Listeners are invited here as autonomous, self-determining individuals who exercise agency over their own lives and as such take responsibility for any decisions made and actions taken regarding the resources explored during this and future episodes. Right? Nobody knows you better than you. And I would think I'm a pretty good uh, guide for understanding myself. So in the spotlight for today, I'd like to talk about uh, the uh, website Action for Happiness at www.actionforhappiness.org. It is the address uh, for a movement of around, last time I checked, 106,472 members from over 174 countries. The centerpiece... uh, of this website revolves around uh, 10 keys to happiness and steps to take for happiness. So the happier quest needs uh, some tools and toolbox. Um, One of the tools I'm suggesting would be information provided by uh, the Action for Happiness website. And there they list 10 keys and then expand upon those 10 keys. So the 10 keys consist of doing things for other, others, uh, connecting with others, taking care of your body, noticing the world around you, keep learning new things, having goals to look forward to, find ways to bounce back, resilience. Take a positive approach. For example, be aware of any ants that you might have and engage in compassionate self-talk. Uh, and lastly, be a part of something bigger, which for me is the spiritual journey. And, you know, that's what life's all about. So alongside these 10 keys, uh, and you can go online and you can look at these keys and they can give you some some uh, more in-depth information about, uh, you know, definitions and, and how to proceed. But alongside those 10 keys of happiness are action steps necessary for action, uh, action steps necessary for happiness. And so, you know, I got back to, the you know, at the beginning, I was talking about the happier quest. I'm not going to give you a definition. I'm going to talk about things that we can do that from my experience has increased my level of happiness. And uh, if, if you're struggling and you're wondering, like, what are some things that I can do like right now? You can visit this site and it, it gives you a whole list of different action steps that a person can take so that they can start to bring greater levels of happiness into um, one's life. Action one could be a good starting place for us as just kind of get a sense of what these action steps look like. So action one is an invitation to take the happiness pledge to try to create more happiness and less happiness uh, and less unhappiness in the world around you. So after you take that pledge, they going deeper, this action uh, then invites people to become happiness activists and imagine things uh, that you could do or a person could do to spread happiness. And uh, there's a video there where uh, there's a, a website, uh, a video on the website that shows people giving out hugs Spreading happiness, I guess you could say, uh, through hugs. And you can see that, you know, at first there's this reluctance, this reluctance, this, there's this, it's, it's this very odd thing. And then there's uh, people that are opening up to the experience. And you can see that uh, smiles start to become somewhat contagious after people uh, open up to giving and receiving hugs. There are also some facts. So we, we can you can go on the site and you can explore the 10 keys to happiness. You can find 
different action steps to happiness. You can make the pledge. After you make the pledge, you can attempt to maybe do something as a happiness activist. That would be definitely, uh, 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 that's a definitely increased level of commitment. Uh, there's Lilu in the background. There's also some interesting facts that they share about happiness. And I thought that this would be uh, some something interesting to share. So according to the 20 happiness facts that they've identified on the, uh, I think the first on the home page at the bottom, you can go to a link. As according to surveys in Britain and the U.S., people are no happier now than in the 1950s, despite massive economic growth. So if people are suggesting that, you know, if I had more money, I'd be happier, uh, the information is suggesting that that's not necessarily the case, that uh, uh, levels of economic prosperity have increased in the West. And uh, despite that, people are not identifying greater or they're not reporting greater levels of happiness. Doing good is one of the best ways to feel good. People who care more about others are happier than those who care less about others, right? So if you want to start to build your levels of happiness today, do something nice for someone else. Uh, the last one, happiness follows a U-shape across the lifespan on average, right? On average. Uh, so we're happier when young and old and less happy in middle age. So, I mean, it just, it's, it's a, a nice wake-up call when I talked about how it's hard to be healthy in this world. You know, it's a reminder that, you know, when people move into middle adult or, you know, um, their, their later teen years and into adulthood, you know, there's going to be some challenges. And, you know, this is when we might want to really equip ourselves with different tools to help invest in a happier lifestyle because that's when we're going to need it most. Various resources are highlighted. For instance, there's a recommendation people read the uh, book 10 Keys to uh, Happiness by Vanessa King. I didn't read that book, but it looks like it could be a good read. In addition to um, some different uh, resources to read, uh, there are two larger projects that people are invited to participate in. One project being called the Happy Cafe Network and the other being the eight-week happiness course in terms of the Happy Cafe Network. The goal is to provide an occasion for people to come together and learn science-based skills for enhancing psychological well-being. The website provides access to guidelines to potential interested hosts and encourage hosts to meet with the owner of a local cafe, see if they'd be interested in hosting a Happy Cafe get-together and that the goal would be to participate in this larger mission of uh, spreading happiness through evidence-based information that would be shared at these meetings. For me, I'm even though uh, I find that an exciting thought, I'm I'm interested very much so in the uh, pop-up happy cafe ideas or you know um, different you know kind of versions of the happy cafe experience it could be like a wellness cafe and uh, you know the pop-up cafe could look like someone who for a, a one-off occasion invites people to come together at a local cafe share some time together and uh, talk about different ways to encourage one another to create curriculums that people can embrace and, and carry with them throughout uh, their daily comings and goings in their lives in addition to the Happy Cafe mission, the Happy Cafe network, there is also a 
eight-week happiness course. And I mean, if, if someone was able to establish a weekly or bi-weekly happy cafe event if, to host an event, one of the things that could possibly take place at one of these events would be to introduce people to uh, this idea of the eight-week happiness course. All the necessary uh, material and information are available online to run this course for people uh, that are interested. It would require someone volunteering as a facilitator. And usually the, the, the idea would be that there would be a 15-minute TED Talk. And with the 15-minute TED Talk, after that, there would be a facilitated group discussions and talks would include know what really matters and what makes for great relationships so yeah it's a really exciting website I, I go to it quite often and I find that it's uh, just going there is uplifting and inspiring um, the uh, the last thing I'd like to share with you is the the invitation from the Act for Happiness organization for individuals to engage in the seven-day challenge which consists of four as they identify kind of behavioral activities. So the first one would be to journal about three good things every day and why they're good. There's reports that if you do these things up to eight weeks that it increases levels of happiness, self-reported levels of happiness. Engage in a kindness day. If, as the survey suggests, that doing good is one of the best ways to feel good, if you engage in a kindness day, a random act of kindness day, um, that will boost uh, levels of happiness. And also the, the third activity is to calm your your mind to do and when you calm your mind not only do you decrease anxiety and increase mood but you also have positive benefits for both the heart and the immune system according to a book that i'm reading uh called start here by eric langsher and nate klemp who are the creators of life cross training uh, they're sharing that uh, research by richard davidson who teamed up with uh, john kabat zinn about the benefits of daily meditation discovered it helps with increased focus so if you want to increase your focus it causes a decrease in mind wandering it enhances pain tolerance so if you're dealing with pain that you can you can manage that at a more um, endurable level and uh, it slows down the mental aging process and the last thing for the seven day challenge is to move your body to engage in daily exercise up for uh, up to 10 minutes so this has been um, a long first episode. My intention is actually that uh, I'd like to produce episodes around 20 to 30 minutes, but I had to have some introductory stuff in place to kind of identify, you know, what is it that I'm attempting to accomplish here? And as just some guy, I would like to say thank you for joining me and listening to this uh, blithering and this rambling on the uh, spiritual journey as I uh, introduced the thought of the happier quest and invited people to consider the benefits of engaging in their own life, larger life project of creating a self-directed wellness curriculum so that you can bring greater levels of happiness into your own life. Thank you.